The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is March 7th. We are previewing the conference tournaments. We're talking Marquette. We're talking Wisconsin. We will then mention UWM's no-show from last night. We'll also talk about my frustration with the Green Bay Packers, why I've had enough with this front office and this organization based on all the rumors, all the bullshit that happened on Monday. Then we'll talk about the Rodgers latest. There were some rumors from Trey Wingo that you might not have heard of if you were not up late with the Owls. It's why it pays to to be a night owl because you get those stories. Uh, So we'll talk about that. Uh, We'll also maybe do a Chuck's Corner at the end, but I don't know if we're going to have time. I, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a loaded show, and I expect to be back on here tomorrow because I think there might be more Roger smoke. And if there are, if there is, then I have to do a show tomorrow, and we're gonna have maybe five or six shows this week, which is crazy. I mentioned to you guys yesterday, so stay tuned for this. We are gonna be doing a mini keg instant reaction pod on Saturday for the Marquette game if they were to advance to the semifinals. I am not putting um, the cart before the horse. They they got to beat Butler. They got to beat St. John's, whoever they play on Thursday. They have to do that first. If they do, uh, we'll for sure have a podcast on Friday. Uh, we'll talk Bucks nets We'll also talk that game. Uh, so we'll have that on Friday for sure. And then we'll preview, obviously, the game that Marquette has in the semifinal. And then we'll talk about that game on Saturday. If Marquette were to advance, we would do a pod on Sunday. We are going to do a selection show pod. Uh, We're going to pick a bracket. By the way, I should get my bracket out and rolling. Uh, We'll try to do that for tomorrow, get that all set up for the people uh, because I know everybody loves themselves a good old-fashioned bracket challenge. It'll be on Yahoo, though, because everybody I already have a base on Yahoo. So I get to email everybody out be like, hey, we're starting the pool again. Uh, and open to ideas for prizes that aren't just first place. 100 bucks on a podcast appearance if you want it. You don't have to come on the pod. But if you want to come on the pod and talk about whatever really you want. I mean, maybe not whatever, but like, like, we're not going to talk about like your favorite videos on Pornhub. Like, we're probably not doing that. But I'll talk about a lot of stuff. Like we, we can talk about like what's going on in the city of Milwaukee. We talk about what's going on in Wisconsin. Politics also I won't talk about. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, we can talk about the city, like what's going on, like bar scene, like what all that different stuff. But I'm not talking politics either. So there are a few rules and regulations, uh, but those are in the T's and C's. Anyways. Let's get going. Uh, just a reminder, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, we also uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all of that. Uh, if you're already subscribed, make sure that you're rating and reviewing or you're sharing this out with friends. I think there will be a lot of people that would enjoy today's show, uh, whether it's your fan of college hoops, whether you are just familiarizing yourself with Marquette of Wisconsin, uh, you're a fan of both teams, you're a fan of one team. We're going to talk about both. Uh, we don't talk always about Wisconsin, but today is your lucky day, Badger fans. But before we do, we also we have to talk about the Kings of the State. I know, I know Marquette lost Wisconsin, but come on, Marquette had a better year. Marquette's the headliner. You have to talk about the top team in the Big East to kick off today's show. Marquette Golden Eagles head into the Big East tournament as the top dog. Uh, they have Tyler Kolek as a first team Big East player. They have... Osoy Gidara, as well as Cam Jones as second-team Big East players. 
David Joplin, sixth man of the year. They have not announced who's going to be Big East player of the year. Most people assume it is going to be Tyler Kolick. If it is Bryce Hopkins, I will guarantee you Marquette wins the Big East tournament. The chip on Tyler Kolick's shoulder, shoulder will be larger than goddamn life, and that will be the ultimate fuck em situation. But I, I do think it's going to go to Kolick. So I, I'm not, I don't think that's going to happen. But Marquette heads in as a one seed for the first time ever in the Big East tournament. Marquette has never won this tournament. Marquette has never got to a final. The last time they made the semifinal was 2019 and got royally screwed in a game against Seton Hall, a game that promoted me to do a drunk podcast. One of the few that I have out there that is truly I'm drunk during the pod, uh, which you could go find. If you, if you really want to search for it, I don't know the name of it, uh, but I could probably dig it out if you gave me like a few minutes. I, th- I think it actually might be like, what the fuck happened to Marquette or something? And I blurred out the fuck. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I am not sober in that podcast. And I was very upset at Seton Hall. I, Miles Powell uh, was an instant enemy after that. And then he played for the Bucks for a little bit. So, you know, an enemy becomes a friend for a short time being. I'm sure Miles is lighting up in some place, Shanghai, Budapest, wherever the fuck he is. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Miles Powell. So they've never made a final. Uh, it just has not worked out well. The Garden has been a house of horrors for Marquette in this tournament. I think it's imperative that Marquette does play well this week. Um, I don't necessarily need Marquette to get to the final. I at least need them to beat Butler and St. John's and beat them handily, look good in those games, You know, have an off competent offense. They've had the best offense per Ken Palm all like half of this season. I shouldn't say all season, but they've been one of the best offenses in college basketball. They need to show it on a neutral court. Now, Marquette has looked good uh, on the road this year. Uh, They have not really been bad on the road. Uh, Some teams that we'll talk about when we get into brackets and we get into how they look, they just do not really have a good road profile. Marquette has won some tough games on the road. The games that they've lost, only UConn was a blowout, right? They took Providence to double overtime in a game that probably they should have won. They couldn't close. Purdue, they could not close. That was way earlier on in the year. Uh, the Xavier game was back and forth. They won at Creighton. Uh, so in in the big, they beat Villanova at Villanova. I realize Villanova isn't the same team. They won at Seton Hall. They blew out Seton Hall. Not at, like I realize some of these teams aren't as good as maybe they've been in years past, but I still think it's important to highlight that Marquette has you know, brought their offense to every every arena. They need to bring it to the Mecca uh, this week. And the reason why I think it's so important is because one of the regionals is in New York City. They could be very well back there in two weeks for the Sweet 16 if things work out their way in the round of, 30, around of 64 and the round of 32. If that works out for Marquette, they are in the Sweet 16 potentially in New York or in Vegas, or in Louisville, or Kansas City. But one of them is New York. And if Marquette struggles here then, I think that is a massive red flag for a potential Final Four run if they were to get to New York. If the the East Regional was where Marquette ended up when the brackets come out next Sunday. So that's why I think it's important to to play well. And they will get a chance to play Butler or St. John's in round one. Now, Butler... or St. John's are not very good basketball teams. Uh, Butler, to start with them, does not pose much of a threat. Uh, The Bulldogs are a pretty bad basketball team altogether. Uh, I find it hard for them to win 
Uh, Wednesday, honestly, with a pro St. John's crowd, it will be a loud Johnny's crowd getting behind their team. Now, I realize the support for Mike Anderson is dwindling, uh, so maybe that's a little bit deterring the crowd to be there. It could be a little bit more of a ghost town, if you will. Um, and Butler's just been awful on the road this year, so it's really... I, I just, I, I don't know what the line is. I haven't looked. I don't know if it's even out, but I would say it's probably St. John's by five or six. And, it, and I think that's a fair line. I, I, I consider Butler true underdogs in that game. And if they do win, I expect Marquette to really attack the paint like they did in the second game they played against them. Uh, when they were at Hinkle, uh, Marquette just dominated that basketball game after a slow start. Once they, once they got going, uh, they really sort of found it and put the pedal to the metal, and they just attacked the paint relentlessly. Whether it was Kolek, whether it was Udaro, I don't know why I'm having problems saying Oso's name uh, today, but like they were attacking, attacking, attacking. That is what you will have to do against Butler if Butler is the opponent. If it's St. John's, I think you have to try to frustrate Curbelo like you did a year ago when he played for Illinois, if he does play. He did miss both MU games, weirdly. Uh, I think their part of it was they were holding Curbelo out. But since this is the end of the year and you probably want to play all your guys, I would imagine you'll have Andre Curbelo out there. Uh, and I think you'd have to find a different answer for Davis Awanso Wusu. Like he was really, really good last Saturday. I think Marquette's going to have to change their scheme about that. Uh, I also think that, you know, there will be some collective pressure on the Golden Eagles, right? Like, they, of course, there's going to be pressure for them as the top seed, as a team who's trying to get themselves as into the two line. I don't think they can get a one seed. I think that is unrealistic. But this is a, these are games Marquette has to have. This could be the difference between a three or a four. Marquette does not want to slip up here. And they've beaten these teams four times. There is no reason why they can't do it again. I realize there are some demons here, but all I really care about for Marquette is that they have to start quick. That is my biggest fear right now. Like that is my biggest worry for the Golden Eagles that they just have to play their game. As I mentioned, they are a solid road team, but they have had slow starts on the road and those need to be limited. And I think we've talked about this in other teams, whether it's the Packers, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's the Brewers. Honestly, it's every team. Badger football, which we really haven't because when we've been doing this podcast in the format we have, bad, the Badgers have not been at the level that some of these other teams have. But even when you're good, there is that one like bugaboo and that bugaboo can come back to bite you. And for the Packers last 2021, it was special teams. And sure enough, it reared its ugly head come the postseason. For Marquette, their only real bugaboo this year has been slow starts. They have not necessarily came out the gates hot in every game and especially on the road. And that's something that can really drain on you come March because you have this uphill climb. Now, I think the way that the three-point shot is in college basketball, you see comebacks all the time. Like, right, St. Mary's and BYU on Monday night, uh, I think St. Mary's was up by 30 at one point in that second half, and BYU came all the way back to have it be a four-point game with under a minute left. Now, it ended up finishing at seven, which is a bummer for everybody involved because it's a push, which I think if you were on the BYU side, which I was, I'm like, oh my God, I counted that as a Loss. And if you're on the St. Mary's side, you are absolutely fucking livid that you just get your money back uh, in that situation. But all of that to say, it's it, it, slow starts aren't going to be the death knell. 
But I think if you start slow against a St. John's or a Butler, like then that makes them believe that they can play with you, that they that they can hang around. Like the same goes for a 15 seed. If you're a two seed, same goes if you're facing a seven or a ten or a six or whatever it may be, whatever seed, you, whatever lower seed you're facing off against in the first first couple rounds, that could be something where it's all of a sudden a lot closer than anyone wants it to be. And then if you're play, facing a good team, uh, which Marquette will face with Providence or Connecticut in the second semifinals if they were to advance, or in the Sweet 16 against like a three seed or a two seed, depending on you know where their seed is, like that can that can end you. Like that can be over quick. We saw it in that UConn game on the road, right? They started off slow. UConn was hitting every fucking shot possible, and it buried the Golden Eagles. So I do worry a little bit about that. And I, I do have slight concerns about the slow start and that being the one thing that gets Marquette. You could also say it's offensive rebounds, but I, I look at slow start. I think they've been able to mitigate and work around the offensive rebounds better than I, I think we all expected. We all thought the offensive rebounds would be a problem. Shaka knows it's been a problem. Uh, and I think Marquette's done actually a pretty good job. There are some bad matchups, of course, in the tournament and in this tournament itself that could pose problems, such as UConn. So let's talk a little bit about that. If Marquette were to advance, it's Providence or UConn. Marquette's one and one against both of them. UConn, as mentioned, only below at loss of the year. Marquette beat both pretty convincingly at home, honestly. Like games were close, a little bit hung in the balance, and then at the end of it, Marquette pushed the pedal to the metal and got the job done. Uh, so that's that's something to keep in mind. The hope here, though, is that you're playing Providence, not the not the UConn Huskies. Providence is three and three in their last six. They're leaking a little bit of oil. Uh, the Seton Hall game was bizarre uh, on Saturday. Uh, they just no showed at the dunk. I know it's not called the dunk anymore, but we're gonna keep calling it the dunk. Like them no showing there was really stunning. It's the first really good win for Seton Hall against a good team. Like Seton Hall has not beat a good team all fucking year, and then they blow out Providence on the last game of the year. It was really surprising. And Providence has kind of had that happen to them a little bit down the stretch. They got blown up by UConn a couple weeks ago. This is a rivalry game. So I, I do think, I said this on yesterday's pod, hate to be repetitive, but it's going to be a war. Like this is going to be a big fight. This is going to be a big crowd, uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. Everybody will take off. It's going to be a battle in the trenches uh, between these two teams. And both teams, you know, I, I think really where Providence could prevail is the free throw line. Providence makes the most free throws than any team in the Big East. They're number one. Uh, they get a very friendly whistle at home, which you could say is mob ties. You, you don't want to say it's mob ties in the city of Providence, but just, just food for thought there. Uh, but UConn also gives up the most the most free throws as a as a defense. So if the refs call this tight, that really works in Providence's favor and probably gives Providence a real chance to win this basketball game and to come out victorious, even though the Yukon Huskies are red hot. The Yukon Huskies are so on fire and rounding in the shape and looking like a team that I think a lot of people will put in Final Fours if they have a good draw. They've won eight of their last nine games. They are really well connected as a team. They have good guard play. They have good inside play. Uh, whether it's Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson, 
Uh, Adam Sonongo, uh, Sonongo, Sonongo, I might have butchered that. Uh, Sonogo, Sonogo, there you go. I, it took three times, but we, we got it. We got it home. You'd think after watching enough Big East basketball, I would know that. But anyways, UConn's really fucking good. All right. I thought UConn and Creighton were the two best teams in the Big East at the start of this year. Uh, when I was watching UConn in November, December, I was like, wow, they are really good. Same thought with Creighton. Uh, that those were the two best teams. And so would it surprise me if it's Connecticut and Creighton at the end of this thing uh, for the Big East title? No, not really. And Connecticut has all of the memories, right? They they get a huge crowd. They have a huge New York City contingent. There are so many Mecca memories for them. So can they have more magic here? And we'll, we'll just have to see. And if it's Connecticut and Marquette, nothing would be sweeter, honestly, than kind of slaying the dragon. Because to me, that is the, the dragon of the Big East in terms of this week. This is a UConn week. I was listening to Mark Titus's new podcast on Barstool, which I'd recommend any college basketball fan to check out. And Brandon Walker was on talking about the SEC. Kentucky owns that tournament. How Kentucky will be everywhere. And Kentucky fans expect to win that tournament. And there, there'll be seven out of every 10 SEC fans there are Kentucky fans. And I feel like that's how UConn is. And UConn expects to win this. And so... To beat them, I think, is a massive accomplishment. Like, I think that's a huge deal in the sense that this is kind of their tournament. Even though St. John's is the host, I really look at it as, oh, yeah, UConn's going to be involved. They're going to be in the mix. So if Marquette could get that done on Friday night, that would be a ton of fun. It would be fun to beat either team, honestly. Providence, I mean, there's a rivalry there. Uh, I don't think those teams really like each other uh, too much. And I think Marquette, you know, had a bad taste in their mouth after that double overtime loss. Now they were able to avenge it, but these those two teams play really close games. Either game is going to be a heart racer. You're gonna not. You're gonna probably lose some hair. It's going to be an exciting one and going to be a battle. So if the Golden Eagles were to advance, either the Friars or the Huskies, it'll be it'll be a war. But. I would prefer the Friars, but there would be something cool about taking down UConn. And if Marquette were to make it to their first ever Big East final on Saturday night, uh, which, by the way, you'd set up a pretty awesome Saturday because you'd have Marquette against whoever they're playing at 5.30, and then you'd go right, pretty much right into Bucks Warriors at 7.30. Like, give me that all day, every day. Power rankings of teams I'd like to play in the final go as this. Seton Hall... Xavier, Villanova, Creighton. But it is really hard to picture anyone other than Xavier or Creighton. Now, Xavier has leaked oil a little bit. They're kind of in that Providence category. I think, to me, Creighton is the favorite in the bottom half of that bracket. Uh, they do have to play Villanova uh, in the quarterfinal. And that if Villanova were to win, we're we're all assuming that Villanova takes care of business against Georgetown. And yeah, if they, they get that, it's Creighton. And so yeah, and Villanova's in do or die spot. And Villanova has had some good memories here, just like UConn has. And so can they find a way to go on a run and get themselves into the tournament, which would be incredible. Uh, it be a lot of fun. Um, but it, again, goes back to that Creighton thing. I, I find it hard for them to beat Creighton twice in three weeks. Creighton has had some success here at the Big East tournament, uh, more than Marquette. And I think that's been a frustrating thing for Golden Eagles fans uh, in the Wojciechowski era is that Creighton actually has succeeded here and Marquette hasn't. So can Marquette, you know, finally, you know, turn the corner here and get it done in what's been a great year? Uh, I, I do think if you were to rank 
disappointments. Uh, if they lost Thursday, that's it's a little pay. I wouldn't say there's a huge panic, but you do worry. Like, okay, is this going to mean they're forcing? Now, I think it would be unfair to punish Marquette that way. But the committee did not seem high on the Big East, and if Marquette were to lose like that, I think I think there would be some question, especially if teams around the twos and threes and fours were winning basketball games. Uh, I think that would be an issue. Uh, I do. I think that UConn or Xavier or Creighton should be ahead of Marquette in terms of the rankings for overall bracket. No, not not a chance. But if that does happen, yes, I think if they lose in the semifinals, there is no consequence. They were to win in the finals or even get to the finals, does that move them to the two seed? I think it really is dependent on everybody else around that. And that's kind of what we'll do with these live shows. It's we'll kind of keep an eye on what's going on, you know, with everybody else if if we get to that point. So we'll have to see. But I'm very excited for it. Um, I'm nervous in a way. Uh, look forward to sweating out 11 o'clock. And I think I might have a, a meeting at one, which it's not great. It's uh, not exactly what I want, but I had to bite the bullet. Uh, it was a, one, of, one of the few available times uh, for the day job for a meeting, so I had to do it. I was like, fuck. It's like, don't do it, don't. I was like, nah, I got to do it, man. So, uh, but yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing what the Golden Eagles can do. Let's move on to the Wisconsin Badgers, who are going to be playing on Wednesday night against Ohio State. Uh, it is is a game that Wisconsin cannot lose. Uh, it is a must-win situation. Uh, right now, they are out of the tournament per Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm. I haven't looked through entire bracket matrix. You know, we use Lenardi and Palm because those are the guys that are going to get the attention. I realize there are better ones. I would honestly love to partner with like two or three bracket people next year and do it that way. I think that actually would be a lot of fun, good synergy there. But anyways... They, they are right now in a position where they need to at least beat Ohio State. And if they just beat Ohio State, I don't know if that's good enough. I don't think it is personally, just with all the bubble fluctuation that could happen, right? A team could lose that they don't expect to lose, and all of a sudden then a bubble spot is open up. Uh, you could also see a team come out of nowhere, like a Villanova, for example, who we just talked about who they end up winning the conference tournament, and then Villanova steals a bubble spot away from somebody. Uh, Utah State's another good example, right? What if they win the Mountain West and they take a spot away from somebody as an automatic qualifier, which then eliminates another spot? What about an A-10 team coming out of nowhere and finding a chance to win? Uh, Should College of Charleston be considered for a bubble spot because they have 30 wins, even if uh, they aren't able to beat UNC Wilmington t- tonight. We'll have to see. Uh, that Those are all interesting sort of subplots to the Badgers bubble situation. Now, Ohio State is coming on a little strong to finish the year, right? Uh, it, the Buckeyes won two of their last three games. Uh, they have been a complete shit show all year. There are Buckeyes fans calling for Chris Holtman's job, which I think is pretty ridiculous given that Chris Holtman has succeeded uh, pretty well at Ohio State. So that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it is a strength on strength matchup if you look at Ken Palm. Uh, the Buckeyes give up a ton of threes. Wisconsin likes to shoot them. Uh, Ohio State gets buckets inside. Wisconsin gives up a bunch of them. I actually think that favors Ohio State. 
Uh, I hate to say that for my Badger fan friends, but I think it does. Uh, in a neutral site game, you just don't know how how the rims will feel. Those aren't your rims, right? So if Wisconsin starts cold from deep early on, you know, are they going to to go into the paint? I have not seen it this year in what I've watched from Wisconsin. I've watched a good amount. It just does not seem like they are fancy in the paint. Like They just don't like going inside. I know that it is Minnesota. I get that Minnesota is the worst basketball team in the Big Ten. But did you guys notice that something kind of interesting happened with Wisconsin, right? They were really adamant about going down low in this game. Tyler Wall had 21 points. He made eight shots inside the arc. Uh, Stephen Crawl also 21 points, nine points inside the paint. Badgers got to the free throw line. They're one of the worst teams to get to the free throw line. They got there 17 times. They made 14 of them. I I have to wonder, is are they trying to basically change their philosophy on the fly? Did Greg Gard, after watching the Purdue tape, where Wisconsin, I felt like, shot themselves out of the game late, did Greg Gard sort of say, all right, we are changing up our philosophy entirely? So what we said about, okay, the Buckeyes allow a lot of threes. Has, have the Badgers kind of changed their course? Now, Ohio State also, it, when you give up a lot of threes, that's kind of your philosophy. You you want to invite more threes and you pack the paint. That's what the Buckeyes do. So how does that work for Wisconsin? Is Wisconsin are Wisconsin going to be able to do this again? Is this a one-time thing? I, that that's Those are a lot of questions that I have heading in to the Big Ten tournament. Uh, we'll have to see. I think that's a, a big question mark going into this. But I do think also, too, it's hard for me to see Ohio State actually winning on the quote-unquote road. Now, I know it's a neutral game, but this is their they have not won on the road since January 1st, okay? That's, that's awful. I understand Big Ten, it's a tough place to win on the road, but at some point, you'd find a road win out there, whether it was Nebraska, whether it was... Uh, trying to think of Penn State maybe, right? Uh, you'd find a win somewhere. And it's also a potential checkout game for Ohio State. They're not taking a CBI bid. They're not going to get an NIT bid. Uh, so what's there to really play for? Now they could go on a run, make a, a dramatic run to the final and find themselves in the tournament. Sure. I think it's much harder in a place like the Big Ten or the ACC than somewhere like the Big East to make a run because you're gonna have to win for five straight days. That's a five. That's a marathon of a fucking streak. So I do not see Ohio State doing that. Uh, and I could see them just kind of saying, "All right, we're punting this game," and Wisconsin wins. And then they, if they do advance, they'd see Iowa. Now Wisconsin did well against them earlier this month. Uh, they were they held the Hawkeyes to 52 points. Hawkeyes have been a bizarre team, right? They had this dramatic comeback against. Michigan State that they carried into winning on the road at Indiana. But other than that Indiana game, they've been awful on the road. And then after picking up the momentum in Indiana, it went off the rails this this Sunday, losing at home to a very frisky Nebraska team. Uh, So that that's just all stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, Fran McCaffrey is not a great March coach. There's rumors that Fran McCaffrey is going to be the next coach at Notre Dame. So maybe the players know that. There's a potential there of a potential checkout as well from the Iowa side of things. Uh, if Wisconsin were to win that game, I'd likely think they're on the right side of the bubble at that point, And then they would play Michigan State. 
And if they and if that were the team to face off against them, they have really had the Badgers number in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Sparty is also lurking as a team you don't want to face. You don't want to see in your bracket. I just saw Michigan State in a bracket for Marquette. I don't want that, right? They've won six of their last eight games. They're looking really strong. They're, they're starting five. They all seem to have a role. And Izzo's really, really sort of rounding in the form. And you see this happen. It's been a while since we've had like the deep Izzo run, but it feels like maybe this year is potential. So it's not to say that Wisconsin can't beat Michigan State. They lost a close game where they should have probably beat the Spartans at home. They just got cold late. And that... You know, and that's been a story of Wisconsin's season. So I, I do, I do look at that, and and I say, yeah, is there a potential they could get to a semifinal against Purdue on on, barring that Purdue wins? Uh, but I do expect Purdue to find their way to the semifinal. Can they get to that semifinal? I, I think it's possible. I, I don't. I wouldn't say they're great odds. I, I would say if I had to do it as like a ladder, I feel pretty good about Wisconsin beating Ohio State. I think the Iowa one is a toss-up, uh, and I don't give them a great chance against Michigan State. Uh, I think that will be one that you'd, you'd have to get a lot of things going right for you. And if it goes right for you, great. And I will say this, though. As a Marquette fan who had who had their team lose to Wisconsin, I would like Wisconsin to do as well as, as they possibly can in here. Uh, and if they go far, I do, I do wonder, does that help? Do you move up in the quad quad rankings? At this point, are the resumes kind of set? Does the tournament have any impact? People go back and forth on how much the tournament actually matters or doesn't matter. Uh, I think if the Badgers were to go on and like a deep run, like let's say they were able to get to the semifinals, does that move the Wisconsin to a 10 line? I don't I don't think so. I, I think it might move them out of Dayton. I think that's the best hope right now if you're Wisconsin, that you get an 11, you, you don't have to go to Dayton. You just have to play on either Thursday or Friday. You know your fans are going to travel well. I think that the committee always likes to do f- kind of fun matchups when they can, headline matchups. I think there would be a penchant to have Kentucky and Wisconsin run it back if Kentucky stays around the sixth line. Uh, I don't expect a Kentucky uh, Wisconsin Marquette thing. I mean, at some point it's going to happen where they play in the tournament, but I I don't expect that. I think that would be, I I just, I don't know. I I personally feel like I don't like seeing rematches. Like I don't want to see Mississippi State around Marquette's region. They play them. I don't really want to play in Purdue's region, right? I think that the tournament's at its best when we see new matchups, when we don't have that hang, hanging there or there's no you know, things to point out as unfair. Like I saw today, and I nearly threw my computer when I saw this, in Palm's bracket, they have Marquette playing in Des Moines, in Des Moines and Iowa State being the seventh seed. Get the fuck out of here. If that happens, I will literally shit a brick. Like I will physically shit a brick outside my house. I also saw one where it was like Kentucky and Columbus. And Marquette was the three. Columbus is much closer to Lexington than Milwaukee is to Columbus. Uh, my, my guy Brian pointed that out. That's a fucking disaster too. Like, I'm not saying we're going to get screwed here, but there are some there are some things. And I, I just think that I, it's not that I'm scared to play Wisconsin because I think this is what it's sounding like because I'm not hearing myself talk and it's like, are you scared to play Wisconsin? No, I'm not. But here's the thing. 
tournament is an unpredictable thing. My guy Doze, who's the biggest Badger fan I know, uh, who will watch Badger games over like big Bucks games. I forget. I think it was Badgers in Michigan. And it's like Bucks Celtics. And we're, I'm like, we're going nuts about the Bucks and Celtics. And he's like locked in to Badgers Wolverines, uh, which God bless him. Like, I love him. If that's how he wants to do it, that's great. But he was saying to me, you know, like, he's like, the tournament's totally different. And he's right. And he's absolutely correct. And I really haven't experienced the tournament in this way in a long time. Uh, it's been 10 years. And so I think just knowing that the tournament's all about different bounces and that things can go in 100 different directions and that Greg Gard has had Chaga Smart's number the last two times they've played, I, I don't really want to see Wisconsin. I think that there'd be a great accomplishment to beat them again, uh, but I, I don't necessarily want that. Uh, I would prefer someone else. And if you say that's loser behavior, that's fine. I just think there, Wisconsin would really get up for that if they were to advance. And I think there would be a lot, a lot of hype around here. And it would, it would, be, a, it would be quite the rumble and would be a do or die situation to advance the Sweet 16. I think there are some Badger fans who kind of want it, and I will say right now I don't. Uh, you know what? I, I just don't. I, I, I feel like such a loser. I really do. I feel like such a fucking loser. So maybe I just go, screw it. Screw it. All right? Whatever. If we get Wisconsin, great. If Wisconsin's is an 11 in our region, bring it on. We'll have we'll have a dance. But if Marquette's a 2, there's no way Wisconsin's going to sniff the 10. Uh, and if they do, it might be because they win out the Big Ten. And by that point, I doubt they have any legs to even advance into the second round. But I feel like the committee can get a little more creative than putting the two Wisconsin teams in the same region. Also, I I don't know. I feel like that, that would be doing you a disservice from Milwaukee and maybe make travel complicated. I'm not sure. I have no idea if that would actually make travel complicated or not. I, again, not using it as an excuse. I, I feel like a loser there, and I'm sorry. I need to, need to be better about trusting Marquette. I feel like I am the most pessimistic about like Marquette, I think because this is all new and this is all different, right? I think, you know, 2010 or 2011 me, if I was, I think I was just starting to do podcasts in 2012, I'd be like, fuck this, yeah, let's play them, let's get after them, like we'll beat their asses again. Uh, this version of me is like, yeah, the word, if you want to know how Marquette's season could actually end on a sour note, it'd be Wisconsin ending it. And so I'm like, I, don't, I would avoid that at all costs, all right? But would it be sweet to beat them? Absolutely, right? To get revenge from earlier in December where Chucky Hepburn pretended he was Steph Curry? Uh, yeah, that'd be fucking great. I would love that. So we'll see. Uh, so I, I've reversed course mid-segment, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Badgers in the bubble and see if they can get it done and get off the bubble and be the second team from the state of Wisconsin in the big dance. Moving on to UWM really quick. Uh, UWM no-showed against Cleveland State. It was a ugly, ugly basketball game for the Panthers. They were really blown out from the start. Uh, it was disappointing to say the least. Uh, you expected a little more from UWM. I don't know if they got a little tight, if you will, after Youngstown State loses. Uh, they lost to Northern Kentucky. And so it's like, okay, maybe UWM can, would, they would have been the favorite, I think, against Northern Kentucky if that was the final. 
and UWM just puked down the shoes. Uh, they were 5 of 25 from three. They kind of started to come back. They were lurking back in that game. I think they got down to nine at one point. But then Cleveland State was able to pull away uh, a team that they, UWM beat a week ago, uh, and Cleveland State was ready for them. And they they laid down the hammer. Uh, it's not a great matchup for UWM in terms of Cleveland State forces you know forces turnovers, forces things, and it was it ended it ended poorly <laughs> for for UWM, and that's just a bummer. And you hope maybe they'll get into something like a CBI tournament or something along those lines where they can they can still sort of have a have an offseason and I I do think that this is not the end I don't think Bart Lundy is going to be taking any sort of coaching job uh, next season I think that would be a huge bummer for uh, for the Panthers right like I, I think that would just be honestly catastrophic and I, I hope he stays I hope he realizes you know they have a good thing going at UWM and that he he continues on and now now we'll see if Cleveland State will be the representative or if it will be Northern Kentucky uh, should be a really good game in the horizon uh, tonight uh, to see who gets that automatic qualifier but it is not the Youngstown State Penguins uh, who are denied as the top seed in the horizon but no NIT for UWM as they weren't the one seed so that will go to Youngstown State and will mean that the Panthers maybe get the CBI, uh, but which I think would be cool. I think it would be cool if they, they want to continue to play on, uh, and I, I hope they do, and I hope they get that opportunity and maybe still opportunity to watch a pretty fun basketball team. Uh, and if you haven't seen them or you didn't see them this year, barring that most of their guys stay, I think there will be people that would want B.J. Freeman you know, on a Power 5 roster. Maybe he's not at the level of what Marquette is, but I do think, uh, you know, a team, I don't know, hypothetically like an Ole Miss, right? Barring they don't get like Chris Beard and then they bring in all these top guys. Like Ole Miss would, would probably like a guy like B.J. Freeman. I think there'd be other schools in that realm that would want a guy like him. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I was bummed out to see that we didn't have a UWM Northern Kentucky game to break down in this one. All right, let's move off college basketball. It's been a long college basketball show at the moment. And let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and my current frustration with the front office. Every story that came out today from the Combine, uh, as all the NFL reporters were about as gossipy as all of those talking about the Vanderpump rules breakup between Ariana and Tom Sandoval. That was basically what we had, you know, from all the NFL reporters today. They were like, "Well, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. whispers here. Oh, this, that, and the other." It's like, yeah, you guys are like just as bad as like Perez Hilton. Uh, so everyone was basically like, "I don't think Green Bay wants Aaron Rodgers back," and but also Green Bay doesn't want to be the one that pulls the trigger. I have so many thoughts here. I'm going to try to keep it somewhat professional. Uh, but I think the first and foremost is like, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, let's just start there. All right. Because the Green Bay Packers gave Aaron Rodgers $50 million. They knew what they were doing. They gave Aaron Rodgers a massive contract last year. And then they said, well, he checked out right after. How the fuck does that happen? How, how honestly does that happen? Between Brian Gunacus, between Mark Murphy, between Ross Ball, how does everybody agree with, agree to that? And then it just completely falls apart in basically a year and a fucking half. Like, how does that actually happen? 
and I apologize for all the F words, but it's, it's, it's really frustrating to me because what it shows me is that this is not a well-run organization. I think we always talk about the Packers, the cliche term that a Kevin Burkhardt or a Jim Nance or an Al Michaels would use is, oh, Green Bay, what a well-run organization, right? Uh, the, you know, they've been the, the team of the NFC North. You know, they've, they've been the leaders. They've you know, made multiple NFC championship games. They have their shit together. We're known as a team to have our shit together. But right now, we do not. It is a complete disaster. And that falls on the feet of Brian Gunacoust and Matt LaFleur and Mark Murphy. I talked to you guys, I think, last week or a week before I had about how Mark Murphy didn't really want to pull the trigger on Aaron Rodgers because he didn't want to be his career to have the sandwich of you were at the start with the Brett Favre drama. Now the end of it is the Aaron Rodgers drama. And Mark Murphy didn't want that. But also Brian Gunacoust wanted to be like his mentor, Ted Thompson, draft his own quarterback in Jordan Love and sort of do exactly to Aaron Rodgers what Ted Thompson did to Brett Favre. But it did not work out that way. Aaron Rodgers went on to win two straight MVPs. Brett Favre did have an incredible year in 2007. He then retires in 20, 2008 only to want to come back later that, that summer, which set off all this drama. There's no way that Brian Gutekunst could have done exactly like Ted because of the retirement stuff. Uh, Rodgers never retired. Rodgers kept wanting to play. Rodgers did sort of say, oh, I might not play. I might play. Uh, but Green Bay basically let him run the organization. And what Matt Schneidman said a month ago, and I've talked about this quote a lot because it stuck with me because I never heard anyone say it, is Aaron Rodgers had this organization by the balls. He did. And he had this organization in the palm of his hand and he controlled everything. And then Green Bay, after one bad year, said, fuck it, we are not doing it this way. And what annoys me is that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gunacus were Mike Sherman, uh, Lamps MKE, a uh, new follower uh, on both sides, uh, happy to follow him. Another guy doing Packer content said basically it's a combination of the two. Uh, Matt, Matt LaFleur, the Mike Sherman on the field, Brian Gunacus, the Mike Sherman up in the stands. They let Rodgers walk all over this organization for multiple years. Just like Sherman let Brett Favre do that before Green Bay got in Mike McCarthy, before they got in Ted Thompson, and they said that things needed to change. Green Bay easily could have pulled the ripcord from Aaron Rodgers in 2021, and I, I really think part of it was they were not confident that Jordan Love was going to be ready, that Jordan Love was not going to make that development. And I don't even know if they knew that last year. That's why they were so happy to have Aaron back and so excited to speak in platitudes about Aaron. But now I think they really have something in Jordan Love. Tyler Dunn is the Jordan Love number one defender. And while Tyler has done good work with Jordan Love, I think it's a little over the top and he wants to prove a point like other people in the sort of Packer independent media. I think it's actually kind of weird and sort of obsessive, if you will, that they want to scream on the mountaintops that they were right about this all along, which it's fucking ridiculous in its own right. And it's a dumb, stupid thing that I think we have to continue to go on. And I really feel like no one is actually fair and sort of balanced in this whole conversation, uh, but that's here and there. But anyways, 
Jordan Love is probably ready to be an NFL quarterback. Jordan Love, I think the Packers know Jordan Love's ready to be a quarterback. They, for some reason, do not want to trade Aaron Rodgers because they do not want to be the team that trades Aaron Rodgers. Even though, even though they have said to everybody in Indianapolis that they are sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers. Now, Rob Domofsky sort of said no one knows. Rob Domofsky said, I heard people say that, you know, they were tired of Aaron Rodgers. And I heard other people saying, oh, they want Aaron Rodgers back. But Trey Wingo then tonight reported that Aaron Rodgers talked to the New York Jets, that nothing was imminent, but that he had interest in going to New York. Now, if that were the case, the Packers would have gave Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to the New York Jets. That would be tampering if that was not the case. And we all know that Woody Johnson really wants Aaron Rodgers. And Woody Johnson is a big-time owner with a big-time wallet. And if Woody Johnson wants Aaron Rodgers, he may push Joe Davis to go get Aaron Rodgers at all costs and do what we've seen for whether it be Tampa Bay, whether we saw it with Denver back in the day with Peyton Manning, although Peyton Manning is a free agent, a bad example. I think Tampa also signed with Tom Brady, but Matt Stafford in the Rams, Denver with Russell Wilson, those are better examples. Uh, They're going to try to get Aaron Rodgers. But we'll have to see if that report's true when this goes live. I, I have no idea. It's why we're parking this at the end of the podcast because I think anything could happen tomorrow. It's Tuesday. Aaron Rodgers could go on Pat McAfee and say that he is no longer going to be a Green Bay Packer. He is looking for a new team. The Packers have given him permission to find a new team, and which would send off a flurry of sticks. And we have so much to talk about tomorrow around Rodgers and where, where this could end up before the start of the new year, uh, which will be next next Wednesday. It's, it's a very interesting time, but to go back to the organization itself, if you really don't want Aaron Rodgers here, then fucking trade him yourself, okay? And maybe that's what they're doing with the permission stuff, but trade him yourself. I think a lot of this stuff makes the Green Bay Packers look incredibly weak, that they let a guy run this organization basically for two years. Because that's what I'm inferring. That once Aaron Rodgers had the MVP year, they were like, all right, we screwed up. We And Jordan Love maybe didn't progress the way they expected. And they were like, okay, we we trust you, Aaron. We're into you, Aaron. We basically rolled out the red carpet. They did things differently. They let Aaron Rodgers in the draft process. They had conversations with him about free agents. Now, there just wasn't the buy back in from Aaron Rodgers. Even though they gave Aaron Rodgers all of these amenities, Aaron Rodgers didn't show up to OTAs, which should have been a red flag. We never got the story about how Aaron Rodgers hosted Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs in Malibu working out at his his California facility and having them out for a week to sort of start working on new routes, which would have been a fine replacement from OTAs, by the way. Uh, we didn't have Aaron, we didn't have the story about Aaron Rodgers taking the young guys out for dinner and hanging out with them and spending time with Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. I love Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was an awesome guy to watch play quarterback. I would still accept Aaron Rodgers to be back, but I just feel like we are headed towards this breakup. I do not feel I feel so much differently about Rodgers today than I did yesterday. You can go back and listen to me yesterday, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to break. Now I feel like we're breaking towards this Rodgers-Jets marriage, and Rodgers is just going to say, all right, 
I'll do it differently than Brett Favre. Maybe I'll stay in New York for two years. Maybe I'll stay in New York for three years. Uh, and try to bring the Jets to the Super Bowl. And I'm telling you that is going to be an obnoxious topic in the media. Ian O'Connor wrote maybe one of the most self-sucking New York media pieces I've read in some time where it's like, Rodgers has something to do that would be a, the biggest New York accomplishment ever. I'm like, really? Who gives a fuck about the Jets? Like, honestly, like the Jets are the second football team in New York, okay? It's not, they're not that important. They are the, they are bottom tier, right? Uh, and, and that's just how it is, right? The Giants have always been king and they probably will forever be king in that city because of all the Super Bowls and all the success that the Giants have had. The Jets have always been the little shithead brother. And I don't know if a long playoff run will do it. And Rodgers would have to win it out. Would I cheer for Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Will we that maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't think that there are going to be a lot of people jumping to be Jets fans like they were with Brett Favre. I don't think that's going to be happening. I think we'll get laughed at by a lot of Vikings fans and a lot of Bears fans only to when Jordan Love drops his dick on both of those organizations. They're going to feel a lot differently about that. But yeah, I feel a lot differently today than I did yesterday. Um, and we'll just we'll just have to see. We'll see what tomorrow brings. And if I have to do a podcast again, uh, I I still I don't feel like I did did the organizational justice. They did a really bad job, man. I, I'm very. I feel like I have so many so many people I'm unsure about with the Green Bay Packers, and maybe it's a lar- larger topic with like Mitch or Shannon uh, later, you know, in the, in the month where we just really evaluate everybody. Because I personally feel like if you gave this guy fifty million dollars, and if you don't get a first round pick for him, and I, I'm worried they're not going to, you should be immediately on the hot seat. It's not. It's there's no ifs ands or buts. You're on the hot seat. Now Jordan Love works out, your butt's less hot. I think Matt LaFleur deserves to be there too. He's decided to keep Joe Barry, and he basically let Aaron Rodgers run Ramshot. That's kind of unforgivable for me. So I feel a lot differently than I do about Brian Gutekust, as well as Matt LaFleur, and really saw, saw Mark Murphy as, never really thought Mark Murphy that highly, but I continue to think less of him. And he put he basically cared about Titletown and also wanted to be an owner. Uh, it was a weird, it's a weird dynamic. It always was a weird dynamic. And maybe we should have saw this. Maybe we should have seen what was coming to a head. Because right now the Packers are not a well-run organization. They are a mess. And it's gonna take a lot of time to figure it out. Winning cures all. If Jordan loves great, if they have a great draft, if they put together a roster that can contend. The NFC is not good, right? Uh, the NFC right now looks like the old NBA Eastern Conference. There is an opportunity there. I'm not saying they should be a Super Bowl contender. I think that we will. We can talk all day long once that does happen, if it does. But yeah, I, I'm really disappointed in it all, honestly. Uh, I think as a fan, this is, this is about as low as it's been for me, honestly. Like I, I think in 2018, you know, when you lost two straight years, Mike McCarthy gets fired. You go back, you, you go and sign some free agents. It sort of seems like, all right, we're not fucking around. Then you turn it around immediately, right? Uh, 2005, when they lost, they were three and 13, and then they hired Mike McCarthy. Yeah, that was a, a lowish point uh, of, of Packer fandom. Ray Rhodes was a, a complete kick in the dick. But in a weird way, when you're just dysfunctional and you're not just bad, like sometimes if you're just bad, you're bad, right? Happens. Teams go through it. Uh, you don't expect it a lot with the Packers, but 
Ever, no, no one's immune to it, right? So I, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, this, is, this has been a really frustrating 24 hours for me as a Packer fan. And we'll just see where it ends up. All right, that was an extremely long podcast. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out. I didn't expect it to go this long. I will say if there's no new, like, big-ass Rodgers news, I will not be doing a podcast tomorrow. We'll be back on, on Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, uh, with Mitch talking Bucks, Packers, uh, maybe a little bit of college, right? Because uh, the tournament will be happening that day for the Big East tournament, and I've done a lot college-wise already. Uh, but maybe get some thoughts with Mitch uh, later on in that show. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. And we'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy Rogers Watch. See ya. Bye.